Good morning, chapel family. How are you guys today? It, the second service better cover up, because last week my goal was for this to be covered. I want there to be too many shoe boxes for the pulpit to be seen. Well, if you're new, welcome. My name is Ryan, and I'm your pastor. I'm excited and glad you're here. Uh, this week has been an interesting week because um, I did something I don't normally do, at least not a ton. Uh, I usually prep my week's messages two weeks in advance. And then, um, but last week, as we all know, another shooting happened. And if you're anything like me, it, there's this crazy thing that's happening now. Um, every time a shooting happens, uh, I feel like my heart has, like, gotten a callus on it. Uh, I, I helped my father-in-law and mother-in-law move out of my house today. They've been living with us for a few months. So on Saturday, um, I converted my outlaws, my in-laws to outlaws. Um, so, yeah, praise God for that. We should clap for things that are that good, you guys. Um, but... But as I, was, as I was prepping this message and thinking about this, um, I, I was looking at my hands because I, I, I have a desk job for the most part. Like I spend a lot of time at my desk. I go in hospitals in my car doing errands. I, I use my mouth to make money instead of my hands. But now I've got these gnarly blisters and calluses. And I feel like that's what my heart is doing when it comes to shootings and death. And it's breaking my heart. And one of the things um, that really got me riled up this week, um, because I try to watch news. Uh, I'm not a huge person into, like, politics. I'm not that pastor that's going to, like, just champion one side of the spectrum. So every week I listen to some conservative and then some liberal pol politicians and, and podcasts on both sides. But one thing I didn't like this week is uh, the bashing on thoughts and prayers. So this morning's title is... Thoughts and prayers. We're going to be in Psalm 24 because I want to talk about what happens when tragedy happens, when death happens, when cancer comes, when relationships break. Do thoughts and prayers matter? And really specifically, do prayers matter? Um, is that the bass amp, Corey? I'm going to find out what that buzz is. Keep going. Keep. Do I just kick something? Here we go. I'm just going to turn buttons. Musicians, good luck. I'm flipping every switch I've got. I wasn't really flipping switches because the musicians get mad. I just goes like this, and then they start panicking. They're like, no, my reverb. Um, <laughs> so we're going to pray, and we're going to be in Psalm 24, and the bassists cannot worry about their reverb. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, um, we come to you today. We come to you today to ask for your presence and your power to change our hearts to change this church family's heart to change this community's heart to change this city's heart to change this nation's heart and god i believe and i have seen the power of prayer but there are people who are doubting it there are people who think that prayer is us uh, just bouncing words off of a wall or throwing words into the wind but god you hear our prayers so i pray that today that this group that's here and the, the next service, that we would leave this place lit on fire to pray. And we would know why and how to pray. And that we would understand that prayer is what changes us. And prayer is what gives us access to things that you have stored up for us and for this world. And that we would not treat you like a cosmic gumball machine that just dispenses what we ask for every time we ask for it. God, give us ears to hear your word this morning. Cut to the heart. God, cut deep and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, I'm just going to read through this if uh, you guys want to follow along in Psalm 24. I'm going to read through the whole psalm, and then we're going to back up to the top. But I just want us to get the gravity of what King David is saying. Uh, So we're going to start in 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. May God bless the reading of his word. So so as I read this this week, my first message title was Glorious King for a Glorious Life. But then this thoughts and prayer stuff kept bombarding me. And there was, a, uh, there was one newscaster who said, your thoughts and prayers don't matter. Thank you for your thoughts and prayers, but what we need is policy. What we need is something to change. And, and, and I'm, those of you guys who know me, I'm from California. So I'm still growing accustomed to all of the gun stuff of Florida. And I get it. You guys love your guns. And I'm not an anti-gun guy, a pro-gun guy. Guns are guns. They shoot metal projectile objects. What I am is I'm a um, pro-human guy. I'm a pro-life person. I want life to flourish. I want want love to flourish. The reason we hand out these poker chips, and by the way, if you didn't get one, we gave away way more last week than we anticipated, so we have 200 more next week. These are tangible reminders for us. And, And really, it's an inside joke with me and God that I place a bet on you guys all in to love God and love others. And I'm going to let God do what he does and push back the darkness from our city. So that's why I ask you guys to carry these poker chips. We've got like seven left, but they're all navy blue. Apparently, that's the least popular color. Put it on your desk at work. Put it on your dashboard on your commute. If you're having a hard time with your spouse, wait till they fall asleep and put it on their forehead. And just put it right there. Love God, love others. And if you really struggle with your spouse, you put it right there and you just cross out others and write your spouse's name. Put it on your kids. In this psalm, it sets up the stage for who we pray to. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. One of my uh, favorite people, his uh, name is Abraham Kuyper. He said that there is not one square inch on planet earth over which the risen Christ does not say, mine. There is nothing that's outside of God's domain. We've said this before, every bird on every branch, God knows. God knows every vulture that's swarming after every dead armadillo on the streets of Florida. That's a miracle. God knows every hair on our head that's falling out or growing in. That's a miracle. God knows how many times your heart has already beat and how many times it will beat before it's beaten to death. That's a miracle. And God sustains and knows these things. God guides the rivers God placed the stars in the sky. God created physics and gravity. God knows where every blue whale is tracking through the Pacific Ocean. God knows where every killer virus is seeping its way into somebody's bloodstream. God knows the extent of every cancerous cell in every one of our bodies. 
God knows every person who is depressed and going through something difficult and wanting to execute evil on somebody else. God knows before every shooter shoots. God knows before every victim dies. And, And I want to tell you today that God, this same God, is loving, and this same God is powerful. He's powerful enough to do something, and he's more loving than we can imagine. And this brings up the age-old question. If God is good and loving, why do bad things happen? And this should center us on thoughts and prayers. That if God founded the seas, and if God established everything on the rivers, what is our role? Who should ascend the hill of the Lord? Who should stand in his holy place? Now, when we read this, we might just see only metaphors. But there was a hill of a Lord that led up to Jerusalem. They always said, when you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up. Even if you were coming south toward it, because Jerusalem sat up on a bit of a hill. So we would say we're going up to the temple, no matter which direction you came from. And David is saying, who who goes up? Who ascends the hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, remember, this is David. This is the giant killing hero of God who also slept with a naked girl he saw on a roof and killed her husband, who also had multiple wives, who also had his son hate him and chase him down to try to kill him. This is David who's saying, guess who gets to go up? The person with clean hands and a pure heart. And and don't be mistaken, David thought and knew he was going up despite his transgressions, despite his sin. But, But here's where the key of the verse is in verse four, the person who does not lift up his soul to what is false, who does not swear deceitfully. We all lift up our soul to something. We all lift up our soul, which means we all put our, our stock of our life behind something to say, if I get it, then I'm worth it. We all look to something to give us hope. Regardless of, of who you are, what your background is, you may say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in any God, but we still lift up our soul to something as a functional God. I was talking with a dear friend this morning, um, and we were talking about Hawaii because I love Hawaii. Man, when I went there, I felt like Hawaii saved my life. If you're in a crisis of any type in life, I think you should just buy a one-way ticket to Hawaii. And I know you agree with me. I thought I'd get more amens out of that one. I'll wait for the second service. Um, b- because when I went there, I landed... And I think God loves Hawaii more. And I I just sat there every day, day after day. Perfect weather year-round, you guys. Humidity that's not like Florida. It's like 50% of Florida, but then it blows over. There's fishing everywhere, every day. It's the most glorious thing you've ever experienced, except for the live active volcano. That's a little bit terrifying. Um, But but with all of this, I I can't say that one place will save me. I can't say that one season of life will save me. I remember when I was a teenager, I thought, okay, when I just get my license, then I'll be free. And I got my license and realized, no, I was a free carpooler. And then when I I, I said, okay, I got my license. When I just move out, then I'll be free. And I moved out of the house. And um, my mom bequeathed and graciously gave me all of the bills she had been paying for. And I said, wait a second, now I've got to work to pay these bills. So when I just get a job that makes X number of dollars, then I'll be free. My, my first church job after I became a follower of Jesus, I made $9 an hour being a youth pastor. And then um, after two years of service, they gave me a raise, but it was on accident. I got a 14 cent an hour raise. And I went in and said, hey, you guys didn't even tell me you're giving me a raise. But I was saying it passive aggressively because I was bitter, like 14 cents, that's what I'm worth. And the executive pastor at this big mega church said, oh, we didn't even know we gave you a raise. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if I just can make $9.50 an hour, then I'll arrive. 
And then, then you, you grow up, you go to college. Once I finish college, uh, I, then I'll arrive. And finally, after like 12 years, I finished my four-year degree. Um, and then I, I got a job. I'm like, okay, I got a four-year degree. Okay, no, now I need a master's degree. So I go and I go to college again. And after 13 more years, I get my master's degree. By now, I'm 55 years old, if you haven't guessed. Um, and I think, now I've arrived. No, no, no. You know what I got to do? I got to have kids. I got I to get married and have kids. See, that's when I get married. Then all of the blissful happiness of this world will be upon me because that's how marriage always works. <laughs> all the married people are like, <laughs> all the single people are like, yeah, it does. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Nope. And, and then you have kids because if you have kids, surely your life will be fulfilled. But you forget that having kids is just having an untrained, undisciplined, unsaved version of yourself. That's all children are. You make a baby, that's a fun 10 minutes, and then a child comes out, and then it's you, but without Jesus. They spit, they poop, they cry, they yell, they scratch. You think if we just have one more, then maybe if we add one more sinful human parasite to the family, then we will be happy. You have another one. And all of a sudden, you've got two, three, and now four kids. I know some of you in here have like 17 kids. And then I, just with three kids and one on the way, you know, some, some days I forget what my wife even looks like. You know, I saw her this morning. I said, hey, babe, will I see you at chapel today? Because she's morning sickness. And she said, maybe. I said, okay, I think you should come because a lot of people at the chapel already like The Walking Dead, and you'll be a, like a living example of that. Um, but I, I look at don't say I said that, you guys. I'll be in so much trouble. She's beautiful walking dead. She doesn't look like a zombie. She just walks like one, I'm pregnant, you know. Um, but with all of these things, I keep waiting for the next phase because I'm lifting up my soul to something to save me instead of to God. And this is where thoughts and prayers have to come in because when I heard the newscaster say this, he said, I'm tired of thoughts and prayers. Now, I have to agree with him a little bit. I don't know what the thoughts always do. I think it's good to think and use our minds. I'm a proponent of intellectual Christianity. If you have arguments and, and uh, questions and doubts, bring those to the table. That's usually why we do live Q&A, but we're not today because we have something else right at the end of service. I, thoughts are good, but prayer does something that I think we need to talk about today because I, I don't believe we know how to pray, have prayed enough, and that's why today's going to be a short sermon, Lord willing. Every time a pastor says that, he's lying. Um, prayer is not about... God being a cosmic gumball machine. Many of you who have walked with Jesus know this. We don't go to God and say, God, today Ferrari would be great because we know that God probably will not answer that. We still do it with other things, and I think we should pray about everything. But here is one of the things that prayer does. It's not just us trying to unlock the mystery candy dispenser of God's love. Prayer is us putting ourselves in God's presence. Prayer is putting ourselves next to God so that when God is going to do something or is going to speak to us, we know his voice. Many of us have been so far from God and lacking in prayer that if God were to speak to us through his word or through a sermon or through a sunset or through a sunrise for you morning people, we wouldn't be able to hear his voice because we've not grown accustomed to it. Jesus went away by himself to pray. That's the only thing he went away by himself to do. He never went away by himself just to relax, although relaxing is good. He went away to pray. Even when he napped, he napped with friends. He didn't go away to nap. He just fell asleep with his friends all the time. So if you want to be like Jesus, go away to pray and nap with your friends. 
be someone who says, I need to get away and hear God's voice. I want to lift up my soul to what is true. And here's what happens with prayer. Prayer begins to align our lives to God's heart, but only if we've already heard some of God's word. Now, um, there are different brands of Christianity. Um, There are brands of Christianity where God is always here and he will speak to us and God will give us messages. Now, I believe that can happen, but I'm, I'm a Bible guy. I love this book. So God does speak. And the way I know God speaks for sure is the Bible. So if you want to know if God is speaking to you or if you want God to speak to you directly, here's the easiest way to know without a doubt that God's speaking to you. Open your Bible, turn it around, and hand it to somebody and say, can you read this out loud to my dull brain? And when they speak this word to you, they are speaking God's word out of their mouth into your ears. Now that I know for sure is God speaking to us because it's already in his revealed word. There are times when people come to this chapel because we've got charismatic people that believe um, different aspects of Christianity. We've got very conservative people because of this area. We have military transient people. So we've got people that are like, man, we speak in tongues. We hear from God directly all the time. Satan is around every single corner. And don't get me wrong. I think Satan is around some corner, but he's not infinite. He's a finite being. I believe there is evil around. Last week, a church got shot up. Before that, Las Vegas got shot up. And how many times can we recount shootings? Orlando was shot up over a year ago now. And then San Bernardino and the terrorist attacks in between. The guy, the the white supremacist who went into the church in the Carolinas and killed people because he was a racist. I mean, it's time and time and time again. And this is why people are saying prayers don't work. But here's what I've got to tell you. Prayers work in a way that is not easily measurable. Because I was a person who was on a bad path. And when we pray, it's not about just getting from God. It's about being with God. And when we are with God, things begin to change. So when we pray with God, when we hear God's voice, God will mold our hearts. When I was growing up, um, I was in the bad crowd. I was in the crowd that did drugs and then sold drugs. And then um, one day when my friends got arrested for dealing drugs, I just wasn't there. And that was a day where I thought, okay, my life is on a bad path. So I want to I do something different. I don't want to end up going to jail. So in that moment, I, I began to seek for something different. And when God snatched me up out of the swamp that I was in, I began praying and saying, God, I, I don't know what you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know how this works. But I just don't want to be that guy. And as I pressed into God, it's not that he magically dispensed some sort of fairy dust on me. It's that it, he drew me to his word, and I got to see stories, not, a, not, a, not stories that we often think the Bible is full of. The Bi- this is not a book of amazing good people. This is a book of amazingly wrecked people who are loved by an amazingly good God. And I said, well, if God could love this guy, he could love me. Man, if God could use this guy, David, to write books of the Bible, David, who is a murderous, adulterous, poor dad dude, if he could use him, God could use me. And then I began drawing near to God, and something happened. My heart began to change. My wants began to want something else. They didn't just want the love and acceptance and approval of others. They didn't just want money. They wanted to be known by a loving creator. My soul began to get lifted up by something else. And it wasn't, it's, it's not just the intensity and like the amount of me saying, I will know God, I will know God. No, it's just spending time with him. It's spending time with God in a way that is real and gritty and true. And and I was sharing before service, I said, I 
I don't like how my heart is just, every time a shooting happens, my heart now has these calluses on it. I don't like that as a, as a son of God and a follower of Jesus and as a pastor, I don't like that my first thought is like, okay, was this a radical Muslim? Was this a crazy white guy? Was this a racist thing? That's my first thought. My first thought should be to pray. I, I do get to praying, but my gut reaction still is like, again? And, I, and there are moments where I think, God, what are our prayers doing? Because the, this church that was shot up last week, people walked into a church of people who were singing and praying and learning about God. Now, it's, um, it's caused us to think about things here like security and stuff like that. Um, but I want it to cause us to think about prayer before we even think about security. I feel pretty secure. As a, as a uh, <laughs> California kid, I feel secure right now that if somebody barged in through the back door, that there's probably at least like three of you who would shoot me or them on accident. Okay? Um, and I'm not saying that security is bad. But what I am saying is that if we can get more people to pray more, I think we can see more change happen. If we could s get people to pray in the presence of God, and, and here's how I do it. Um, now, this was way weirder before Bluetooth. So if this is a sidewalk, this is what I do at my house. And sidewalks are not quite this wide. Um, so usually I go on walks because I like to clear my mind and I've got a bunch of kids and a sick wife. Um, if this is a sidewalk, I walk to this side or this side because Jesus is real. And I may not always believe that he's real uh, in, my, in my heart, but in my head I know, I, I believe, I embrace, I have faith. So what I do is I walk to this side and I pray out loud to God. And I walk around my block and I talk to God. I say, God, today's been a rough day. God, there was a shooting again. I don't know what I'm feeling about this. And I leave room for Jesus right here. And I keep walking around and I keep talking to God. And I keep inviting him in. And every once in a while I creep back to the middle of the sidewalk and then I say, no, no, I can't stand on Jesus. And I walk to the side. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a lot easier now with Bluetooth existing than it was before Bluetooth existed. Because I've been doing this since 1998. Well, I was pre-Bluetooth when you just look like a crazy hobo. But now people are like, oh, he's on the phone. So you guys get a free pass on looking like crazy people. But if you don't get alone and spend time with God, then you won't know what it's like when he actually does speak to you. If you don't get alone and say, Dad, um, I don't understand why this shooting happened. You say that you're good. You say that you're powerful, but people are dying. And now we have people saying that prayer doesn't do anything. Well, I've seen prayer do some amazing things. I've seen prayer change the hardest hearts that I never thought could be changed. I've seen prayer fix relationships that I thought were irreparably broken. I've seen prayer turn people around. I've seen prayer give people hope. I've seen prayer heal physiological ailments and diseases. Now, does that mean that that's what prayer is only for? I don't think so. I think prayer is not just for the good things God gives us, although it is. Prayer is to teach us how to lift up our soul to what is true. And here's what happens. When we lift up our soul to what is true, verse 5, we will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Selah means stop and think about it. 
So I want us to stop and think about. I want us to think about right now what we lift our soul up to. I want us to pray either under your breath or in your, your mind. I want you to ask God to begin to show you today, God, what am I lifting my soul up to? What am I turning my eyes to? What am I turning my heart to that I think if I get that one thing, then I'll be okay? So we're going to do it. Let's, uh, let's do it for 30 seconds. It'll be the most awkward 30 seconds. Hey, Corey, can you put on some Tony Anderson? Are you back there? Yeah. And, and I want you to pray. And then I'll close this out in prayer. And then I'm going to keep going, though. You're not off the hook that early. Okay? So let's, let's begin to pray. to pray for our community that more people would step into the presence of God, that we would step into prayer even if we don't know or understand how to do it. Start praying with the people closest to you, your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your coworkers. Pray that they would grow in their pursuit of God, that they would grow in their desire to be near him. Nothing more, just to be near him. I want you to keep your eyes closed, and I'm going to read the last part of this psalm again. Lift up your soul, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up. This is lifting up your heads to God, lifting up your eyes to God, that the King of glory, Jesus, that he may come in. We do nothing more but lift up our heads. Who is the King of glory? The Lord is strong and mighty. The Lord is mighty in battle. He is fighting for you on your behalf. He is protecting you on your behalf. He is protecting you not from physical dangers, but, but from spiritual dangers. He is protecting you not from, from temporal death, but from eternal death. He is fighting for your faith. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? 
My help comes from you, God, the maker of heaven and earth. I don't have a good answer for why there's a loving God and bad things are happening. There, there is not an answer other than the fact that sin has broken in and God has given us the ability to choose and we have chose darkness instead of light. So this is why the sermon is short today. My hope and my prayer is this, that instead of us just looking at what God can give us today, that today we would bring his presence to our community, to our cities. Today I'm, I'm giving you back time because I want you today to spend time in prayer. I want you today to get alone to pray. I want you today to walk the streets. And this week, I'm going to be tracking steps. This week, I'm going to be tracking steps in my neighborhood. I'm going to be tracking steps in this community. And all I'm going to be doing this week with all of my might until my shoes wear out and my blisters bleed is I'm going to walk these streets and pray. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to lace up my shoes. And I'm going to be praying and lifting up my head. Because I just can't stomach the idea that somebody out there is pretending prayer doesn't work. I hope in my prayers that you would lift up your heads with me this week. That you would bring the presence of God to your street. It may be weird the first time you do it. Like the first time hanging out with a friend that you haven't seen in a long time. But this week, I just don't have the emotional energy to keep waiting for another bad thing to happen. The psalm says that the king of glory is strong and mighty. Do we believe it? Do you believe it? The psalm says that we lift up our eyes and he comes in. We don't have to climb a ladder. We just lift up our head and say, I can't do it anymore. Will you lift up your heads today? Now, it's not just for the sheeting. Some of us need to lift up our heads to God because our life is in shambles. We're living in a way we know is untrue, unright, unpure. Lift up your head and say, God, I'm in a mess and I need out. This is the presence of God. This is what God is calling us to do and to be about. To be about him. To run to him. To be in him. And this is where prayer begins to actually make changes because you will be changed. And as you are poured into to overflowing, you will overflow into others, and they will change. Some of my friends uh, who were arrested, my friends who were with me addicted, we, we stepped out of those things. It wasn't by our own willpower. It's that we found something that our soul longed for and loved more than the substances we were abusing. You may not be a substance person. You might be. You may be a relationship person that you need to be needed by others. You may be an addict to wealth and power. Those are not bad things. They're things that can cause us to lift our souls up to what is false. This week, lift your soul up to what is true and good. And know that in every shortcoming, this psalm is pointing to Jesus, the King of glory. Every time you fail, 
God has already won. Every time you sin, God has already paid for it. We don't need to carry our shame into prayer with God because our shame is hung on the cross. We don't need to carry guilt for past sins around us to make us feel like we can't talk to God because that was nailed to the cross. The Jewish people had a curtain separating them from the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died, the curtain was torn from top to bottom so that we can go to God directly. When Moses said, God, show me your face, God said, if I show you, you'll die. But now in Christ, we can walk boldly before the throne. He's our loving dad, and there is nothing between us any longer. When God looks at you, if your faith is in Jesus, he sees all that Jesus is and was and did, and that's what he sees when he sees you. So for those of you who think, how could I pray to God? I've got this addiction. I've got this sin. I've got this thing in my life that's dirty and dark. You can leave it there, and you can pray. And the God who made the heavens and earth is waiting, tilting in his ear. And then he's waiting to speak to you. This is what we have access to today. This is what will change our city. This is something that um, I'm going to be doing this week. If you see me around, just honk and wave because I'm not on Bluetooth. I'm going to pray for every one of you who I, if, if your house is, if I know where you live, I'm going to stop by your house and just start praying out front of your house. So if you see me outside of your house, Floridians, please don't shoot me. I'm praying for you. If you want to come walk with me, come and walk with me. I don't have, there's no, fl- there's no pastor super secret decoder ring that I have that gets me closer to God. I've just learned over 20 years to look up before I look inward. I've learned in my time that just thinking about things and and just trying to create new policies and new rules doesn't change the human heart. What changes the human heart is being drawn to the, the presence and the power of the God of the universe. This is what changes us. So pray with me this week. Walk your streets this week. Draw near to the Lord this week. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And Lord, um, this week, I've just missed you so much. This week, I felt like my prayers just bounced so often. God, I, I want us to be a people who are a prayerful people. And Lord, for those people who don't know how to pray, God, this week I pray that they would at least step into it, that they would at least try to crack the silence with a whisper. Father, I love you. I thank you for all that you do and all that you are. Lord, I pray that hearts would change. I pray that the church, the capital C church in this country, that we would press into issues of of racism and hatred, that we would press into and bring hope to and bring conversations to areas of mental illness and depression, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't just cast those aside as purely spiritual battles, but that we would be honest and open to talk about the needs that the people have on our block, in our house, the needs that some of us have, Lord, that we would bring these to you, and that as we seek community, as we seek help, we would first and foremost seek your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.
we continue in worship this morning, I'm going to ask our hosts if they would to come forward and collect this morning's offering. It's amazing when we sit back and realize the creator of the universe that spoke everything into existence hears our prayers, knows our hearts, knows our thoughts. Let's pray this morning. Father God, you are awesome and you are holy. Father God, take the tithes and offerings, Father, these gifts, Father. Father, you meet and supply our needs. God, you meet us right where we are in our time with you. God, may we be given wisdom use the resources of the chapel, Father, to reach this community, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, those we work with, with the good news of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A um, couple things before we get to a, a quick video I want to show you. Operation Christmas boxes, boxes were due today. However, this is a, only because I understand that you are lazy and you slacked off. We are the collection area for the entire region for these shoe boxes. So this week, there are going to be hours that we're going to be open. I'll be posting those on our Facebook page. Um, and if you really, really want to do a box and haven't done one, you can still do one and just blame me when the person who's leading this up, Miss Linda, gets really mad. She'll say, you're not allowed to do that. Just say, well, you told me I could. And then we will try our best to get your boxes there. It's really cool because this year you get to track your boxes and see where they go. Um, but today is something that I'm very passionate about. Um, religion that is true and pure and good is caring for orphans and widows. Um, and for the first time in my two and a half years here, um, I try to make friends with pastors because I feel like that's something we should do because we are one church and we are building, a, we are building God's kingdom, not a castle. Um, but pastors got together throughout this area because today is National Foster Care Day, and we all preached a sermon, and they made a sappy video about it. So I'm going to play that for us now, and then I'm going to invite up um, someone to come share a little bit about what is going on in our community. So let's watch this. Hey, church. I have something strong on my heart to share with you today. I have something very important that's on my heart to share with you today in our own backyard i'm talking about pinellas county pasco county and hillsborough county there are children being removed every single day last month 270 children 270 children being taken from their home because of abuse abandonment violence these children are removed and what happens to them where do they go Many are going into foster care. The foster care system here in our county is overloaded. And who is foster care? I did a very basic research and found that there are over 1,800 evangelical churches. If we look at the math on this, for every one child put into foster care last month, there are seven churches. That's seven churches for every child that comes into the system each month, every single month, there are children looking to be placed and there's simply not enough room. There have been stories of kids sleeping in offices. They're being transported out of the area to be placed in group homes because there are no homes. These homes aren't enough. I've told you the numbers today because I want you to imagine something. 
Imagine just one family from one of those churches opening up their home to just one child. Imagine every time there was a crisis, we could offer them not only a loving, caring home, but a loving, caring Christian home. Imagine Christian homes being ready to receive every single child that comes into care. I would remind you that the book of James says this in chapter 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God our Father is this. To visit widows and orphans in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I read this and I asked myself a question. What if? What if we could offer a Christian home to every child in need in the Tampa area? All these children came into a gospel sharing home. Could you imagine? I can. I can. Which is why pastors from around our community. We want to surround a door of hope. Pastors and other churches are gathering around this Christian organization so that we might license more Christian foster homes. The numbers are clear. If every church got involved, we literally can eradicate this situation. The church can eradicate the need for a home. I, I asked you to imagine. I don't want you to imagine. I, I want you today to ask yourself, can I open my home? Can you be part of this practical solution to bring a child into your home? If you really can't open your home to a foster child, could you give so that a door of hope can license and train Christian families to meet the need of these children? Church, we are the body of Christ. We can solve this today. Let's start here. Let's start here. Let's start here. Let's take care of this problem in Tampa Bay. Family, let's start here. Let's start now. I'd like to introduce you to Don, one of the Chapel family people who's got 17 children herself. Um, and she works for the Door of Hope, so I'll hand it over to you. So Ryan told me I only had 45 seconds, so you're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to have to talk really, really fast. Um, so the truth is this last week um, in Tampa, in the Hillsborough County area, um, there have been approximately 32 children on our placement list every single night. These are home kids going night to night in different homes because we don't have permanent placements available for them. And these aren't teenagers. I know we all have this idea that it's the teens that are bouncing and whatnot. But it's children 10 years of age and younger. Um, last week, our family had a seven-week-old for about five days because a seven-week-old was going night to night in different homes. Last night at 1130 at night, there was a four-year-old that we could not find placement for. The reality is that our system is completely overwhelmed with children, and we really need homes to take these children in. Um, the beautiful thing about Adore of Hope is that it's not just a social service organization. Um, it is an organization that sees fostering as a ministry opportunity, a ministry opportunity for families um, to love on these children. And a lot of times we also look at the ministry as just for the children that we are bringing into our homes. But the beauty is that we get to interact with the biological families, um, the parents, that the families that these children are coming from. And we know that we can throw every single service at these families. We can throw them drug rehab. We can throw them parenting classes. But we know the truth is that giving them Jesus, showing them the love of Christ is what's really going to heal these families and break generational um, generational uh, sins and things that have been going on in their lives that have brought them to this point. 
Um, so as we're looking for families um, to open up for fostering, um, if you truly can't foster, some people are not in a position where they can foster, um, there are other ways to help um, by being a donor for a door of hope to help license homes um, or maybe coming around fostering families um, to support them, either offering babysitting, um, meals, whatever it can be to, to just support that family as they, um, as they take in children. Thanks. Would you stand up, and I will bless us, and we'll be on our way. Please, uh, if you have questions, Don is going to be under the chalkboard uh, by the back wall. She will be there to answer any questions you may have. Um, and this is something, too, that uh, a few times a year, I love saying, if you, if you ever think that me as a pastor or we as a church are after your money, uh, we're never after your money. I'm after your generosity because generosity is something that Christ has given us in abundance. So if you ever think like, hey, I don't know if a chapel or a church in general, if they're just greedy for money, um, I give you guys the invitation. Hey, if you think we're after it, go give it somewhere else. Just give the money. Give the money to Dorp Hope. If you think that I'm after money or that we're after money, give your money to Fishhawk Fellowship or Baylife or the Cross. I don't care who. I want us to practice being generous. And specifically, I would love for us to practice being generous in a way that Jesus was, caring for widows and the orphans and the poor as best we can with as much release as we can muster. So let me bless you. We'll be on our way. May God, our Father, the loving King of everything, be with you this week. And may Jesus, the King of glory, be your guiding light. May you step onto the side of the sidewalk to allow him in your presence and you in his. And may the Holy Spirit teach you how to hear from God and speak to God in ways that unlock life like you've never experienced. God be with you all. Amen. up your hands, O ancient doors, this carnal temple now the Lord, prepare for visitation like you've never seen. King.